When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender. We have the divisional round of the NFL on tap today, beginning with the Falcons traveling to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. And then in the nightcap, we've got New England hosting the Tennessee Titans. So uh, quite a bit to talk about with uh, the NFL. Obviously, uh, college football wrapped up. Uh, with the national title game, Alabama winning their fifth title in nine years. I mean, hell of a game. Georgia blew that game, though. I mean, there was numerous opportunities Georgia had to put Alabama away. Uh, I still cannot pronounce, uh, for the life of me, the name of Tua Tagovailoa's name properly. I'm I keep bl- bludgeoning it, but I I think that goes for. Uh, uh, everyone, because uh, his full name is Tuaganama. Literally, his full name for what Tua actually stands for is literally, is actually nine syllables. So, just know he's got a big arm. He's got an NFL arm. Uh, just uh, quite a bit. It was a good story. Uh, obviously, him running to hug his parents. Uh, after the game, uh, during that game-winning touchdown, I, there was just uh, uh, a lot going on uh, with Alabama. I mean, the the machine isn't stopping anytime soon. Uh, Saban's going to pump for more cash, most likely, by tempting NFL teams. But, I mean, there's not much else you can say other than uh, it's Alabama's uh, football world. We're all living in it, but I do appreciate uh, UCF trolling Alabama and their fans because, honestly, someone's got to do it because uh, UCF's the only team that has a legitimate gripe uh, not getting any fair shot at uh, the number one ranking 
uh, from the voters. Uh, I mean, if you look at the long and short of it, UCF is still ranked outside the top five, which is absurd given that they're undefeated and they beat all an Auburn team that beat both Georgia and Alabama. So UCF has a right to be annoyed and to troll uh, everyone else by hold, holding their own national champions parade. So I, I have no qualms about that. Uh, I mean, even, uh, even with everything that's uh, uh, even, even if uh, everything's going on, you've, you've got a lot of, uh, to see for college football next year. Uh, still no uh, clear line of who's going to be there outside of the usual suspects. So you're looking for someone to make a breakthrough. I wouldn't expect it to be Miami, just knowing the history of Mark Rick type of teams. So we'll we'll, we'll see how uh, some of these uh, groups going. But uh, given the number of quarterbacks that are going off to the NFL this year, uh, you're going to see a little bit of a power vacuum in terms of uh, some of the top schools. So we'll see in terms of the recruiting efforts, just uh, who gets a couple of studs or the or more of a validation of uh, this year's uh, recruiting class to see if some of those uh, uh, retro freshmen, I mean, do you already know that Alabama already won the race? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's all, all I can say about that. Uh, I mean, what a game. But uh, anyways, uh, we're going to move on. Uh, I could talk a little bit about the NBA, but the amount of griping with uh, players and officials is getting kind of tiresome. Uh, but I'll, I'll get into the NBA uh, in a little bit. Uh, but for right now, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, walk, uh, the divisional round matchups, I should say, and just in terms of... Uh, how I think uh, everything stacks up. Uh, right now, you've got uh, Atlanta still a three-point favorite over the Eagles. I thought this line was going to change a bit more. I thought some people were going to start betting on the dog here. Uh, I mean, it's the first time the number one seed to ev- uh, to be an underdog in a divisional round game in over 40 years. But there's a reason for that. Uh, Nick Foles hasn't shown us anything to give any semblance of what the Eagles were under Carson Wentz. Now, Foles has the capability, but the, the problem was is that Foles hasn't shown any of it, and that's that's the issue. You can't necessarily base your betting decision on what your <laughs> what your uh, uh, mindset is. I mean, literally, I'm reading a quote here, <laughs> just like, justifying the game pick for Atlanta stating, I don't trust Nick Foles. I, I, I mean, that's that's kind of what the longest short of it has become, is that even though top to bottom, you know Philly has a better team, it's just because of that quarterback position, you're, you're kind of in this uh, spot where you're kind of giving more credence to uh, what Atlanta has uh, brought, uh, can bring to the table. So, uh, that's my overall concern here is the fact that uh, you don't have that much consistency coming out of Nick Foles. And, you know, outside of that, you're kind of hoping on the Philly defense to kind of carry the day. And that's not necessarily uh, a great formula because realistically, you're banking on Atlanta screwing this up. Now, Atlanta had no expectations 
for the most part. People were kind of counting them out against the Rams. I thought they were going to keep it close but lose. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Atlanta handles being the favorite uh, this go-around. Again, I'm not necessarily trusting Atlanta either. But if you you tell me to pick uh, pick a horse in this race, I, I got to go with the Falcons here. Not not with a ton of confidence, but it's just from the standpoint of if it's a three-point game, yeah, you still give the edge to the Falcons. Uh, it's just I wouldn't put a whole lot of confidence in it. I, I, I'd say I'm, it's more like a 60-40 kind of proposition here uh, that I, I go with the Falcons. But uh, my, uh, my pick would be the Falcons. Now, more to the point, uh, we're going to move on to the New England matchup, which, I mean, the amount of amount of points. I mean, New England's still at 13.5. I still have to put the weight on New England. I thought this line would get a little bit more of a bump uh, towards the Titans uh, later in the week, but that didn't happen. Uh, as it stands at 13 and a half, I still say you got to take uh, New England, even though that's a huge number. I just don't see what the Titans can bring to the table here. Uh, last week, the Chiefs blew that game. They mismanaged uh, a number of situations when they were up big. I mean, if you're, you're going down 21-3 to the Chiefs, you're definitely going down three scores to the Patriots. I, I just... That's the way I'm looking at it. At some point, New England's going to be out three scores on the Titans here. And it just depends on if the Titans can do a backdoor cover uh, to get it uh, within that 13.5 spread. But, you know, as it it looks like, I'm going to have to side with New England here. uh, Just from the standpoint of Derrick Henry is not going to be allowed to run roughshod the way he did against the Chiefs. Uh, New England's going to figure out ways of... uh, uh, adjusting their stunt uh, packages uh, on the def- defensive line just to prevent that. This is also kind of a showcase game for both McDaniels and Matt Patricia because more than likely one of those two candidates will be the next head coach of the Giants. I know Pat Shermer is still in the mix, according to reports. I just don't see it happening with Shermer. I think it's going to be a New, a New England guy. I, I think the Giants have that much uh, confidence with uh, Belichick and his group that uh, they, they would go along that coaching tree. So uh, right there and then there, I, I I see this as a New England showcase forum for their assistant coaches. So I think they come to the table with an excellent game plan and just get the job done. So I, I look at this, that I see them winning this one somewhere in the, in the range of a 31-17, 31-13 type of score. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the Titans aren't, uh, are going to score points. I just think that New England's going to be on cruise control and they're going to put up points on that Titans defense. I don't think the Titans have a way of stopping Gronk. I think Gronk is going to have a beast of a day uh, in terms of uh, the matchup. There's, I mean, I'm playing Gronk at basically every... Uh, uh, DFS lineup I can imagine because I just don't see where Gronk is going to fail to put up points uh, this weekend so uh, again uh, I look at the Pats and uh, to cover the 13 and a half it's just a big number but I, I just look at this as a showcase forum for a number of uh, individuals so I think New England gets the job done 
and it's the Saturday showcase where they just obliterate the competition. Moving on, yes, indeed, we have the Sunday matchup. So uh, that would uh, first on deck would be the Steelers and uh, hosting the Jaguars. Now, you know, for those of you who have listened to the podcast for some time, you know my feelings on Blake Bortles not being an NFL QB. So with that being said, the strategy for the Jaguars would be to lean heavily on Leonard Fournette. Now, my observations of Leonard Fournette uh, has been that he's slowed down as the season's gone on in terms of injuries, just getting nicked up, getting hit, his running style has changed. He seems to be much more passive uh, hitting the hole uh, than he was at the outset of the season. And I'm not alone in this assessment. Uh, Deion Sanders was talking about it. Uh, he's the one who even brought up the old tiptoe bandit uh, moniker he used to give Sean Alexander for being passive uh, in the run game and uh, dancing around holes instead of hitting them hard. So, you know, it's not just me. So my fear is that a lot of people are going to be uh, heavily invested on Fournette as an alternative to fading uh, Le'Veon Bell. My, my my feeling is that, it, you know, by all accounts, you should be focusing on Le'Veon Bell and, uh, you know, and if you want to fade him, you can fade him. It's just not necessarily uh, a high percentage play. But regardless, the people who are uh, picking Fournette and his ownership might uh, be somewhere in the mid-30s. Uh, I, I think it's going to be spread out between the rest of the running backs, it seems, uh, this weekend just because of uncertainty with some of the lineups. I kind of have to say that Fournette's one of those guys I'm just terrified of. I, I, I just don't have a good feel for him uh, in the Jags' offense. Uh, yeah, he has been running. Uh, he, ha- he has been hitting holes hard, and his pass catching has been very suspect. Uh, T.J. Yeldon is going to be back in the lineup. Uh, he was out sick uh, uh, last weekend against Bills, and it showed dramatically because uh, instead of using Ivory, the Jags uh, stuck with using Fournette in a pass-catching role on third downs, and he struggled mightily. So I expect to see quite a bit of T.J. Yeldon in this game uh, just to keep the Jags out of third and long situations. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I still think they're going to run the football with Fournette. I just don't think the production is going to be there. So I think uh, he's going to get carries. It's just that he's going to be averaging about three yards a carry and not getting those four and five yard chunks of yardage he was getting earlier in the season. I just don't, I don't see it out of him. Now, again, uh, in terms of the matchup itself, the Jags have to be able to uh, 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 be efficient on third down to keep the steals off the field and just to give that defense a breather. Cause as good as Jacksonville's defense is, the Steelers will eventually put points up on them. If the Jacks keep punting the football, uh, with three and out. So the Jacks have got to be able to stay on the field on offense and sustain drive. So, uh, to that extent, you know, I would say I would look more towards Yeldon as a very cheap, uh, DFS option here. Uh, uh, in terms of, uh, a play selection, but in terms of the game itself, uh, you know, I just don't see Jacksonville's defense being able to duplicate that performance they had in week five. I, I think that was 
about as well as they can play against the Steelers. I think the Steelers are a better team since then. Juju Smith-Schuster's gotten a lot better. Martavis Bryant is now re-engaged in the offense. Even though I have my suspicions about Antonio Brown being more of a decoy in this game and not being uh, even 75% healthy, they say uh, he's a game-time decision. I, I just look at this and I'm seeing him closer to being, you know, probably 60 to 65 than 75, 80. So, uh, you know, I think uh, for the most part, they're going to keep it close to the best. I think AB plays anyway, but I think he's more of a decoy uh, to uh, have Jalen Ramsey focus on AB. And then uh, uh, Boye goes up against either uh, Martavis or uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, uh, moving on in terms of uh, the final matchup. Well, we got a caller from my friend Cam here on the line. Cam, how you doing today? Oh, we're doing good. Uh, we're, we're just ready to listen to, you know, Dwayne's picks that are going to make him lose. You know, that's pretty uh, normal around here. So, I'm ready. Yeah, baby. Yeah, so uh, basically, Cam, I was just giving uh, the spread pick. So, uh, Steels are favored by seven over the Jags. I think the Jags do keep it close in spite of Blake Bortles' best efforts to uh, cost them the game. Uh, just uh, in terms of the Jags' defense, I, I think they they slow down the Steelers' offense. I just don't think it's enough to win them the game. Uh, plus, I think the Steelers have the edge in the special teams battle with the kickers. So I, I look at the Steelers winning this game. I just don't think the Steelers cover the seven. I think they probably win this. It's like either a four- or five-point game. So the Jags end up covering this one. Uh, it's just more along the lines of Steelers win, but Jack, Jack's cover as the underdog. Damn it. I gave him three and a half. Fuck. <laughs> no, you're good. I actually agree with this pick, um, unfortunately, because I didn't want to agree with you, but yes. <laughs> but Big Ben is still a loser idiot. <laughs> Very objective, Cam. All right, so final game of the weekend. You got uh, the Saints going to Minnesota. Uh, this one is a bit interesting here because you got the Jet. Uh, I mean, the Vikings favored uh, by four and a half, even though they have what essentially amounts to a backup QB in Case Keenum. I know the legend of Case Keenum has grown throughout this season, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's still Case Keenum versus Drew Brees. Uh, I, I look at this game and I'm saying, I, I don't know who's going to win this game. I think this one's going to be a field goal battle uh, at the very end to see who has the ball last. But if you're telling me I get to take Drew Brees and the four and a half, I absolutely have to sign up for that one. Even though the, the Vikings defense is very good, the Saints aren't, it, uh, aren't slouches either. And from my standpoint... Uh, Keenum has uh, slowed down a little bit in the second half. His teams have started to game plan for him a bit more. I, I do like uh, Adam Thielen in terms of certain matchups, uh, just because I think uh, Keenum's going to lean more towards Thielen in the slot, uh, just to kind of uh, give a, a little bit of a breather uh, to himself, to, uh, so he doesn't have to some, uh, make some of those throws outside the numbers. Because uh, you know the. Uh, on the outside, I think uh, Stefan Diggs is going to get the assignment with uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So I'm not a big fan of Diggs this week. Uh, so I, I think Thielen's going to be the play here for Minnesota. 
but in terms of the overall game plan, uh, Minnesota's going to try to keep basic. Uh, they're a home team, so they're not going to try to go too crazy on offense. So I think you're going to get a lot of uh, of uh, running plays with uh, Latavius Mur- uh, Murray. You're going to get some play action. You're going to try to get uh, situations where they can set up some big plays down the field with dealing in the slot. But outside of that, Minnesota's not going to wow you with their offense. So uh, I think they're going to just try to play a lot of ball possession. And so for that standpoint, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Saints offensive players this weekend. But uh, in terms of uh, the actual spread picks, I got to take the Saints uh, with the four and a half. Roger that. I'm going to definitely take the Saints. There is no way I'm picking Case Keenum. He's an idiot. Uh, The legend of Case Keenum. (laughs) Hey, I have picked him a few times in DraftKings, and he uh, sometimes proves to be the lucky idiot. All-time passing leader in NCAA history. Remember that, Cam. Never forget. <laughs> uh, I'll give. Uh, I'm going to give Latavius Murray and McKinnon both a TD today, and that's about it. And that's pushing it. So I'm going to give them like 17 points. I'm going to give the Saints at least 21. So. That's uh, so you, you're, you're picking the Saints outright. <laughs> Hell yeah, I am. I, I, I mean, like I said, I can't. I mean, I, I I don't disagree with you there. It's just one of those matchups where, you know, the home crowd can play a factor with noise, and but the Saints are used to playing in a dome. That's that that that. This is why this is the one matchup where if the Vikings can get past the Saints, they're going to the Super Bowl. But I just can't trust them to uh, fully to uh, uh, win this game outright, let alone co- uh, cover. So. Uh, that's why I would say the, uh, the spread pick would be the Saints, and I give the edge to the Saints uh, uh, outright winning this game. I just think it's going to be a field goal type of game anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, they play in the Dome. We're not going to the Dome, but we're going to another Dome, so we're just going to keep saying Dome, a.k.a. the Saints win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, just to recap uh, with the picks, I've got uh, the Falcons uh, minus three, the Pats 13.5, the Jags, I mean, yeah, plus seven, even in spite of Blake Bortles, and the Saints at plus four and a half. All right, so let's get right down to business cam with uh, DraftKings today and the lineups. I can't. So I kind of look at this uh, weekend, and I'm just seeing where can I? Are you uh, doing all four games? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm doing lineups for all four games. Oh, you're crazy, man! You're crazy. I mean, I I I can give you a lineup for Saturday only too, but uh, I'm doing lineup for all four games. All right, so in terms of just how shaping this up, uh, to me, the number one 
player you have to have in your lineups this weekend is Gronk. Even though you're paying the premium on it, the Titans have no way to match up with Gronk. It's just a nightmare of a matchup for the Titans secondary. They're not very good. And they don't have the linebacker play to even remotely keep close with Gronk. I just look at this and say this is a game where Gronk could easily have nine-plus catches and over 120 yards uh, uh, receiving and a touchdown. It's just one of those games where Gronk has more than enough uh, opportunity to just destroy a team. And uh, so that's why he's my number one. You have to have him in your tournament plays and your cash game lineups just because there's no one else that you're going to get comparable value with uh, uh, with these weekend matchups. So I've got... So I got Gronk in the tight end spot. Le'Veon, I'm putting in as my running back uh, from the standpoint of I don't think Antonio Brown's remotely healthy. I think this is more of a smokescreen to uh, get the Jags to use Jalen Ramsey on a Brown as basically a decoy. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna run routes. He's just not gonna do any hard cuts or anything of that nature. So. They're going to use him as a decoy to kind of tie up uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey. But in the meantime, uh, you're going to get a lot of Le'Veon Bell and you're going to get more uh, uh, in the way of plays uh, run through uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant. So uh, to that end, I have uh, uh, two different lineups, one with uh, Martavis, one with uh, Juju uh, in there. So uh, I'll go through my first lineup here. So... It would be Brady, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, I slid in McKinnon uh, just for cash uh, salary reasons. Uh, no, just because I recently said that. <laughs> in there, so thank you. Well, that that was, <laughs> of course, but you know, uh, you're 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 welcome for me being on this podcast. <laughs> you never would have thought of that. Oh yeah, well. Because uh, McKinnon uh, slides in under that 5,000 radar. Uh, he's at 4,900. Uh, just with the points per reception, you know, it's it's a safe play. He's he's going to get some catches underneath because uh, Keenan will do checkdowns. Uh, in terms of the wide receivers, I talked about Martavis Bryant uh, being in this lineup. I, uh, Juju is going to be in the other lineup, but... Uh, the other wide receivers, I'm looking at Mohamed Sanu. He's been averaging over seven targets a game in the Atlanta offense. Uh, he's going to get opportunities here again today uh, just because uh, from the standpoint, the Eagles are going to double team. Uh, if I'd be shocked that the Eagles don't try to double team Julio. It doesn't make any sense not to uh, at this stage. Uh, when you're at home, the weather conditions aren't great. You want to make sure Julio can't uh, uh, pop off any deep uh, passing routes. I, I got to think they got to have a safety over the top on uh, uh, Julio more often than not. So I like uh, Muhammad Tanu to get uh, somewhere between five to uh, five to six catches and 80 yards. Maybe you get a touchdown as well, but uh, I, I like Sanu uh, in this matchup. And then on uh, the third wide receiver, I've got Nelson Aguilar, uh, Nick Foles, Obviously not going to have a big uh, uh, big arm based off of what uh, he's done the last couple of games. Uh, has kind of struggled throwing uh, outside the numbers. So uh, 
typically uh, his uh, routes have been going inside the slot, so it's either to Ertz or Aguilar. So I, I, I'm going to go with Aguilar here because we already allocated the money for Gronk, so you can't afford Ertz at this point. Uh, so I've got uh, Aguilar at 4,800. That's my third wide receiver. And then uh, obviously with Gronk in the lineup, yeah, we're going a little bit thin on cash, but I've got Trey Burton in the flex uh, for the Eagles. Uh, mainly from the standpoint of the Eagles still run uh, quite a few plays for him. So he's going to get at least uh, five or six looks in this game uh, where uh, he's going to be the number one read. Uh, so they'll run specialty plays, especially in the red zone. So I'm having Burton in there as a differential play. And then for my defense, I'm going to take the Pats uh, uh, because uh, I just don't think the Titans are going to put up that many points. So I'm taking New England at 3,200. It's a decent enough play, and uh, Burton runs twenty seven hundred. So uh, you f- uh, you fill out your fifty gra- uh, fifty grand uh, salary that way. Oh, D money. You forgot about the Mariota pass. <laughs> He's got a pass to himself again, at least once. So that's a lot of points. That's like ten points. Oh, it's more than ten. It's more than ten because you, you get you got you got you get you get the point. For- <laughs> so, we're going Mariota status. I want to pick Le'Veon very badly, but everyone and their mom is going to pick him. I know. So, this is a tournament play, no cash, so we're trying to figure this one out. Um, I think we're going to have to go with uh, your boy Devonta, Devonta, whatever you want to call him. Yep, Devonta. Yeah, we're gonna call him Devonta. We're gonna go with him. So we're we're so far we're going Mariota, Freeman, Henry, Corey Davis, Sanu, Juju, and we are gonna pick. We're gonna need a little a little cheaper here. I, 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 I do like James White. I, I've got him going on the FanDuel uh, today. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we pick him, how much money we got. And we got cash, but... Uh, I'm saying, you got to play Gronk today. <laughs> Gronk's in there. Oh, you already got Gronk in there? Oh, oh yeah. I, I do. I also have Atlanta's defense I'm going in Fanduel. Yeah, I mean the the problem the problem with DraftKings is that they've got Atlanta uh, more expensive than the Pats. So Atlanta's at thirty five hundred and Pats thirty two hundred. I'm looking at it, it's like the Pats are still going to put up points. I just uh, I see where DraftKings was going with the salary uh, on it, but like because I'm trying to fit in uh, Gronk and uh, Le'Veon. Uh, I couldn't afford Atlanta uh, on DraftKings. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, are you picking Juju? Yeah, so my... Okay, so here's the other lineup that has... Uh, Ju- I heard you, you. You said you had Juju in one, and then... Martavis in the other one. Martavis in one. Oh. The Steelers are 
make me want to throw up. I hate them. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, still the number one offense. It's just figuring out <laughs> if you're gonna fade Le'Veon. It's it's a tough. It's a t- it's a tough uh, task because I I definitely think Le'Veon has t- uh, twenty to twenty five point potential easily in this matchup uh, this weekend. So it's like you gotta figure yeah, out a way of. 90, all right, so so he's ninety six hundred. How how I see it is if you don't triple your money, then you're screwed. It's yeah no I I, I definitely see but I, uh, to me and the thing is his potential is there. I don't know. I don't know. I, I definitely get it from a... Come at me. Come at me. Come no. I'll agree. From a GPP perspective, yeah, it's a hard ask putting Le'Veon in there when you know people are going to be uh, rolling with Derrick Henry and uh, just trying to bury you with uh, uh, Julio, Juju, and maybe Michael Thomas and Gronk and hoping that uh, one of those guys goes off to... Uh, Overtake uh, Le'Veon. Yeah, but the, um, I I still agree with the juju though because I don't think Brown, like you said, is healthy enough to actually do anything. So we'll see. That's going to be a tough one. Tedgin is uh, is a tournament play of mine, so I I don't I, I don't uh, disagree with Ted Ginn. I mean, he's all or nothing, so he's either gonna catch a sixty yard pass or he's gonna sit on his ass on the bench. What are you gonna do? All right. Oh man. No, no. Nah, nah. Well, I, I was I was waiting to see what, uh, what other idea because say uh, here here are a couple other guys that I was throwing out there uh, as the differentials. Oh yeah, well I'm 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 watching soccer at the same time, Cam. So I I I I I, I do multitask. No, no, no excuses. No excuses. Get out of here. All right. So in terms of. Uh, the other differential play, obviously, people are going to be on Derrick Henry and Fournette. I'm, I'm highly against Fournette this week. Uh, I, I would, Me too. I would look at, 
you you mentioned uh, Devonta. I would also look at Deion Lewis and James White. I I just Let's Go see. Uh, I'm ready. Oh, you 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 got you got James White. You ready to put in James White? Oh, don't worry, dude. My my lineup is freshly clean. D money, we're waiting on you. All right. Finish your sentence. All right. So here here here's uh, the remainder here. So uh, uh, going back uh, into it. So you've got. Uh, Tom Brady, who, again, I have in here because of the fact that uh, there's not much else you could say other uh, for Brady other than Saturday night matchups. If he's at home, he does well in them. It's just uh, it's been a, a proven staple for him. So I've got, I've got Brady, I've got Bell. I'm using T.J. Yeldon. Uh, wide receivers include Muhammad Sanu, Juju Smith-Schuster. I've got Corey Davis with garbage time points for the Titans. Gronk. Gronk in the tight end spot because, again, I think it's a monster game from Gronk. Jarek McKinnon in the flex. Uh, Again, PPR. Uh, He's going to get a ton of dump-offs from uh, Keenum. And I'm uh, I'm still on with my remaining money on the Vikings defense. Uh, just uh, at 2,900, uh, you know, I still think that they get a couple of turnovers. I do think uh, that game uh, is probably going to end up uh, being lower scoring than what people are expecting, but I don't think uh, the Vikings are going to have a ton of uh, points either. So it's just going to be one of those games where uh, you're kind of leaning on, uh, you get a little breakout from Juju uh, and the Le'Veon uh, to kind of uh, save the day, if you will. Uh, unfortunately, yes. Um, I like every Steelers player there is, but I don't think I have one in my lineup. Actually, besides Juju. So, here's a winning lineup, guys. Um, let's pull it up. So, we're going to play a little pass-pass. A little Mariota action. We're going to play a little Freeman, we're going to play Henry, put a little Corey Davis in there, because they're going to be playing from behind the whole damn game, it's going to piss me off, <laughs> then we got a little Ted Ginn action, hopefully he runs for an 80 yard touchdown, if he doesn't, we're screwed, so this is a freaking tournament play, D.D. Westbrook, I like that one, then we got a little Gronk, Deion Lewis, then we got the Falcons. The Falcons are tearing it up. I'm going with Hotlanta. Yeah, the the, Fal- the Falcons have been putting up uh, points uh, in bunches lately. Again, there is a very good chance that Nick Folds implodes here today. So, from that standpoint, the Falcons could get a defensive touchdown. And as we know, Cam, in DFS, you're looking for that defensive touchdown any way you can get Hell it. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of QBs that could absolutely implode, I mean, the thing the thing of it is is that people are banking on it being 
Blake Bortles so hard that the Steelers are at 3,800, which, I mean, I just think is absurd because the Steelers don't have a dominant run defense. They're not really that uh, much of a sacking unit. Uh, I mean, to be $500 more expensive than the Jags, I, I, I just look at that and I'm saying to myself, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> It's like it's it's almost as if DraftKings is begging people to take the Jags uh, defense, but again for a tournament play, the Jags are a tough uh, ass to put in uh, for a thirty-three hundred just because everyone's going to be on them. So you're yeah, not exactly. so you so that's why that's why I'm I'll, that's why I'm looking at the uh, the uh, the Pats and the Falcons uh, for defenses. Sorry, you feel that way, Cam. sure that that was not uh, uh, an undisclosed secret uh, by any stretch of the imagination, Cam. <laughs> oh my god, so I, I just presented you um, a nice little rap game for you, D-Money. You're, you're welcome that I'm on the podcast today so you can talk trash later. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he definitely rapped about Jerry Jones in there, so it's even better. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whoa, he's rapping about Jarrah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is, is, is he trying to get himself traded? Is he trying to get traded? And, and Dez. He even talks about Dez in there. Whoa, whoa. That, 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 yeah, yeah that, that, I, I never got to take a listen to that now. All right, Cam. I'm gonna let you go, but uh, get best of luck to you, buddy. We'll, we'll we'll catch up during the games. All right, later, man. Later. All right, that was uh, Cam with uh, his insight on the DraftKings lineups. Uh, now I'm gonna go into FanDuel. Uh, so uh, in terms of the FanDuel matchups, uh, you know, again, a similar thought process I had here because. Uh, I, I look at this and I'm saying Brady to me is the number one QB. Uh, uh, even at 8,800 8, uh, on the FanDuel, it just makes the most sense uh, pairing him with Gronk. Uh, so you stack those two together and you f- figure out a way of uh, uh, fitting Le'Veon into the lineup. So uh, for uh, FanDuel uh, this week, I've got uh, Brady, Bell... Yeldon at 4,600 as my second uh, running back. Thielen, 7,600, uh, operating out of the slot for the Vikings. Should be able to put up a decent amount of points. Uh, Sanu uh, should get a, a number of targets. I've got the 
Ted Ginn uh, Jr. in my cash game lineups for uh, New Orleans, even though uh, he tends to be more of a guarantee uh, 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 tournament play. I actually do like uh, Ginn's uh, productivity uh, from the standpoint of uh, New Orleans is going to be facing a Vikings defense that's going to have a concentration on Michael Thomas. Xavier Rhodes is most likely going to be on Thomas, which is probably why uh, Thomas's value is uh, a little bit lower than usual uh, this week. But, you know, uh, from my perspective, uh, I, I, I see this more along the lines of uh, put because uh, uh, Thomas is at 8200 But, you know, I think Ginn uh, has a nice possibility of getting anywhere from uh, – 70 to 100 yards and a score uh, just because I think there's going to be a ton of attention being paid to uh, Kamara and Ingram. Uh, so I, I definitely think uh, Ginn has a chance to kind of sneak under the radar, if you will, uh, and be productive. Uh, at the tight end spot, I've got uh, Gronkowski. Uh, for the reasons I outlined uh, before, just a matchup nightmare. There's no one that I could see the Titans putting on him uh, that's going to pose any type of challenge. So he's going to uh, have a massive day. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, and for uh, my defense, I've got the Falcons at 4,400. And the kicker, I went with Lil Lutz of the Saints. Uh, they're going to be in the dome, so no weather conditions. Uh, I've got Goskowski in another lineup, but uh, I like Lutz also, uh, just from the perspective of he's going to have scoring opportunities. It's going to be a tight ball game, so they're going to need to uh, kick some field goals as well. So uh, you've got a, a good uh, potential there uh, with uh, Lutz uh, getting uh, getting you somewhere between uh, 12 to 15 points uh, just uh, from field goals and extra points. So uh, moving on to the other lineup I have in uh, play for FanDuel. Uh, I've got Matt Ryan, who's my number two QB. Uh, I definitely have him behind Brady, but, you know, you always try to have some differentiation. So, uh, from uh, the standpoint, it didn't really make much sense doing it on DraftKings because the dollar value from Brady to the other QBs is pretty minimal. So, again, uh, it's going to be a lot of Brady ownership on uh, DraftKings. Uh, FanDuel should be a little bit less uh, from the standpoint of... uh, You've got enough of a differential with uh, Matt Ryan at 7,700, so you get over, a little over a thousand difference uh, to uh, make make the leap. Uh, in terms of the running backs, uh, I'm going to fade Le'Veon in this uh, uh, lineup here. I'm going to play Deion Lewis and uh, TJ Yeldon. Lewis should get a number of, uh, of targets and carries uh, for the Pats. Uh, the uh, the, uh, the the biggest uh, aspect uh, I see with New England is that when they're up, they know how to wind down the clock, and that means it's going to get more carries uh, in the run game. Now, in terms of uh, the lineups today, it looks as though uh, Gillisley, Mike Gillisley and Rex Burkhead are not expected to play. That's the latest news, uh, and we're just past uh, one thirty here on the East Coast. Uh, so I'm looking at this and saying, you know, if uh, Gillisley and Burkett are out, that means more carries for Le- uh, Deion Lewis and uh, James White. So I look at that and I'd say you have to sign those two up. Uh, 
uh, on here. I, I may even uh, uh, dabble with uh, tr trying to get uh, a little, figuring out a way of managing salary a little bit more to get more exposure to uh, a dual combo of James White and uh, Deion Lewis. But in the interim, uh, the other wide receivers in this pairing going with Matt Ryan, I'm stacking Ryan with both Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu. Sanu. Jones, you know, again, Julio's going to be owned by a number of owners. Just, uh, he's most likely going to be the highest scoring wide receiver. Again, I don't trust Antonio Brown being healthy. So, uh, in his absence, Julio should be the highest scoring wide receiver. It's just a matter of uh, points uh, output. Uh, can he put up more points than Le'Veon? My projection says most likely not, but uh, since this is a differential lineup, uh, you know we'll we'll see how it pans out. Uh, the other wide receiver uh, in this pairing, outside of Sanu and Jones, would be Juju Smith-Schuster, as I talked about. Uh, he's has a ton of upside here in the Jags matchup because, again, I think uh, from the Steelers' perspective, they're going to use Antonio Brown as a decoy. So I, I think uh, between Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant, you've got a good amount of potential there for uh, explosive plays coming out of those two rather than A.B. because I think some of those plays are going to go to them instead and A.B. is going to run the shorter route and just tie up Jalen Ramsey. Uh, again, Gronk, still the tight end. I just don't see any compelling reason why Gronk wouldn't be your tight end this weekend. Yes, Delaney Walker is a possibility at 6,200, but the upside with Gronk over Walker is night and day. There's just no way of getting around it. No one can put up the points Gronk can out of the tight end spot this weekend. Uh, just if Carson Wentz was healthy and Ertz had uh, that big play capability out of Wentz to uh, make, a, make a play, then I can make a case for Ertz, but... As it stands, no way. I, I just got to go with Gronk here. It just uh, it makes too much sense not to do it. So uh, we'll see how it works out. Uh, again, Will Lutz as the kicker indoor, uh, 4,900. Uh, Gaskowski is at 5,300. So uh, just uh, uh, from a cost standpoint, I think uh, you're not going to get that much more value out of Gaskowski versus Lutz. Uh, and then the, the differentiate defenses. I went Pat's defense over at Falcons defense. Again, I like both defenses here. Uh, the Falcons defense has more of a potential to get a defensive touchdown, but I definitely think New England's defense is going to turn over Marcus Mariota, who has thrown a number of interceptions this year, even though he did throw a touchdown pass to himself last week. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't see anything remotely close to the performance he had last week. Uh, happening, uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. The perform performance he had in the second half happening, uh, rather. I think what he put up in the first half is more likely what's going to happen tonight, which is why I'm skeptical of the Derrick Henry uh, play for DFS perspective. I may throw Henry into a couple of $1 or $2 lineups for tournament plays, but I'm not expecting much out of Derrick Henry today, to be honest, uh, even though uh, he may get carries. It just doesn't seem to be a good fit for him uh, at all. So uh, that uh, takes care of uh, the uh, DFS lineups. 
just a couple of thoughts on the NBA as a whole. Yeah, you had a, a couple of interesting stories pop up uh, in the league. Uh, one in particular, I, I just had to uh, kind of uh, just uh, scratch my head because, uh, you know, fans and NBA players, I mean, it's always been uh, kind of a prickly relationship. I mean, you always had uh, uh, guys yelling at players and uh, uh, yeah, kind of getting in guys' faces. But I've never seen it to the extent where now uh, – uh, teams are going out of their way of finding players and ejecting fans because we had two incidences uh, uh, this week. Uh, so one was uh, actually uh, Rodney Hood of the Utah Jazz uh, after getting ejected from a game, uh, I believe it was against uh, uh, the Clippers, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, no, 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 wait. Actually, hold on, let me, because uh, I want to say it was uh, against uh, the Clippers, but it was, actually, no, no, it wasn't the Clippers, it was the Wizards, uh, but um, he gets ejected, and as he's leaving the court, a fan's trying to record him on his cell phone, so he knocks the phone out of the guy's hand, and of course, the video went viral, and so the league def- uh, opted to fine him $35,000. Now... There were a couple of other incidences uh, uh, during the season. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins uh, was flipping off fans. Kyrie Irving got into it with a fan. Austin Rivers got into it with a fan. Those guys got uh, fined uh, twenty-five grand. Rodney Hood got fined thirty-five grand for the uh, the cell phone uh, slap incident uh, and knocking the cell phone out of the guy's hand. Now, it wasn't necessarily like a vo- I mean, if you look at the video, he knocked the phone out of the guy's hand. I mean, he didn't directly strike the guy. But because of that, they fined him an extra ten grand. So that, that's got to be the most expensive Apple Care plan I've ever heard of. Because the actual phone itself is not worth uh, uh, ten grand. So I'm not sure where the NBA's going with the line of thought. If they wanted to... Uh, punish him for uh, actually making contact with any part of a fan, then you could suspend him the game. But like a- adding on like the thing now, it's just confusing because you're you're setting a precedent where now you can touch a fan because I I don't get why this altercation is any more obscene than what had happened previously uh, with. Uh, uh, the examples I gave with DeMarcus Cousins or Kyrie Irving. Uh, so, Key Vanderway was uh, a bit uh, bit confusing there. So, I'm not uh, not quite sure what the, the purpose of it was, but technically, you can make the argument that he the NBA values uh, personal property of individuals at a minimum of 10 grand because that's the only sense this makes because uh, unless you're saying that because he actually touched a fan, that it was an extra ten grand, you would have had to suspend him a game if that's the point you're trying to make. Anyway, uh, just in terms of uh, a couple other items that came up, you had another incident where uh, 
Chris Paul is getting into it with uh, uh, referees. Uh, Chris Paul was uh, uh, getting on Scott Foster and the refs. Uh, you know, again, I feel that there's way too much back and forth going on between NBA players and referees at this stage, and they're calling out referees by name directly in post-game interviews. There's just way too much uh, going on where you're having players kind of dictate which officials should be playing, which ones shouldn't be playing. And at a certain point, the league has kind of uh, culminated in this because uh, they, they've put out this two-minute action report of things the, uh, the league has messed up on. Uh, I mean, not the league has messed up on, the referees have messed up on, but obviously there's nothing they can do to correct it. Now, uh, the issue uh, being is that the reason why they can go out with this two-minute report is that they can look at everything on instant replay uh, and just point out what the refs did wrong. And obviously the NBA has done this in the past. It's just that it's only in recent years they've made this information public uh, uh, to everyone by announcing it. Uh, the problem is is that because NBA referees can't look at uh, fouls and call fouls that they may have missed, you know, the old way of doing it was you make up a call to reward a team where you know you screwed up a play because maybe one referee had a better view angle and could say, hey, we, we botched that one. We got to make it up to them. And that's the way business was done. Now, if it, it's a replay, you can't make up calls anymore. But if you can't call, uh, uh, go back and call a foul a foul, then teams are just naturally going to feel agreed because now you can play more physical down a stretch because officials don't want to get involved in games. That's just the way it is. You want the play to be decided on the court. So, again, NBA players are getting more frustrated, but what do you want the refs to do? You, you, want, you don't want the refs deciding games then this is what you have to live with. So, again, I, I, I see it from the perspective of the league has to do a bit more in terms of uh, protecting officials by giving them more power because, you know, as it stands, the refs are human. They're going to make mistakes. But at the same time, the video replay forces them to go back and just base it on the merits of who touched the ball last rather than what caused the ball to go out of bounds, which was probably a foul. Until that resolves itself, instant replay in the NBA is always going to cause this consternation between uh, fans, players, coaches, and officials because, again, the refs can't go back to see what was a foul and what wasn't foul. They can only go by what was uh, the last uh, incident that caused uh, the flexion and uh, did they get the shot off in time? Did they step out of bounds? Uh, again... Uh, I, well, actually, they can't. They can't review the step out of bounds play. Uh, sorry, that uh, unless uh, unless there was a uh, a stoppage of play that caused the uh, uh, caused replay to call, uh, come into effect, that's when they can review uh, if someone actually stepped out of bounds. But again, there's so many technicalities as to how instant replay can be used that it's actually put the officials in a bad spot where. Uh, they get pigeonholed because of, uh, of technology rather than being uh, emboldened by it. So, again, so more things for the league to consider. Adam Silver is a progressive thinking uh, commissioner. 
I I have confidence in him actually being able to figure this out. It's something that the NHL has struggled to do over the years, and it's not improving under Gary Bettman. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, they can uh, get the kinks ironed out with the NBA review system because I, I think uh, as it stands, uh, the NBA uh, is still a little bit behind Major League Baseball. Now, baseball can get away with it because baseball operates at such a slow pace that more often than not, the umpires still get the calls right. Uh, so it's only a couple of circumstances where replay really needs to get involved out uh, since they're not reviewing balls and strikes. So I, I think uh, in that case, baseball and replay works the best because of the fact that you know the incidents are end up being a little bit more close to being cut and dry than most of the other sports. But again, uh, the, every sport has its own... Uh, hindrances uh, as to what uh, uh, will go on next. Now, this uh, is the latest on the Ball Brothers playing in Lithuania. So, uh, as it stands, uh, uh, I'm just going to call him uh, Fatautas because uh, I keep butchering the other uh, beginning part of their name. Uh, for Vidatis, uh the Ball Brothers, uh, in their second matchup, failed to score any points. So, uh, Leangelo played nine minutes, uh, Lamelo played five minutes, and a road loss at Liet Cabellus. Uh, in their first game, they combined for 29 points, uh, but it was essentially a friendly game of, uh, uh, of a second tier squad of uh, teenagers, essentially in Lithuania. So this uh, second game was uh, against an actual uh, Lithuanian team. Uh, so this was uh, actual professional competition, not teenagers. And so neither one of them scored. And uh, as it stands, Fatautas uh, dropped to last place in their Lithuanian league. Uh, this is not the first team Lithuania League. This is, again, the second division Lithuania League. So they are now 4-13. Uh, you know, as I said before, I have major reservations with LeVar Ball and his handling of this situation because he took LaMelo out of a situation where he could have kept playing in high school and just managed, uh, managed coaching him in high school. But because of the Leangelo situation, uh, he's trying to f- force feed Leangelo down people's throats to be make the NBA when he just hasn't shown any NBA level talent, uh, according to all the scouts and everyone who's observing. Leangelo is not an NBA player. Lamelo has the potential to be an NBA player. Obviously, Lonzo's already in the NBA, but Leangelo isn't. But you can't tell LeVar Ball anything, so he's going to try to put a, a square peg into a round hole and tell you that it fits. And, uh, you know, as it stands, uh, you, you're going to have uh, these types of games that are going to get highlighted on uh, the broadcasters because they're, they're going to they're gonna keep giving press coverage to uh, the Ball family. I'm giving them coverage uh, just because, you know, it's being talked about, so I, I had to address it, but at the same time, I feel like this is such a waste of time because, again, LaMelo is a potential NBA player whose 
career is being sidetracked by uh, completely by his own father, and you know, not much else that can be done about it other than you hope the kid manages to pull something together out of this. But at at, at the face of it, you know, this could end up being a tragic uh, sports story in a couple of years' time. But you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh, just. One of those uh, situations where I just kind of look at it and say that, you know, totally unnecessary, but uh, this is the world we live in uh, today, I guess, when everyone's seeking fame and attention. So, in closing, I I did want to just uh, spend a few moments just to acknowledge the passing of uh, Keith Jackson uh, today at the age of 89. Uh, Keith Jackson was the voice of college football and one of my great inspirations for broadcasting in general, just listening to him on Saturday afternoons after football practice, uh, just breaking down the Big Ten and the big game of the week for uh, ABC for so many years. It's just uh, uh, one of those iconic voices that I'll never forget and just uh, truly a treat to listen to him. And uh, he will be missed. And uh, uh I figure I'd just play a little montage here of some of his calls because, uh, again, it was uh, for anyone that just listened to college football uh, from the 70s through uh, 2000, over 30 years, it was just uh, uh, incredible uh, listening to Keith and his calls and Woe Nelly and everything else uh, that went along with it. So, again, uh, Keith Jackson, you will be missed. And... Uh, uh, just to play play out the show today, uh, here's a little bit of uh, the best of uh, Keith, Keith Jackson. The hyperbole is done. Now we can finally play the game. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks, and it always been put on quarterbacks, is tremendous. 
Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.